Hello, Internet, and welcome to what might be the most special of special editions of the Final Cut podcast presented by the Rough Drafts Podcast Network. Uh, I'm going to start right off with a bang and give the people what they want without making them have to listen to the entire podcast. The movie that we are talking about today and the movie that you can see by the title is a Bollywood film by the name of Jawan. And I refuse to speak for my co-host, but I will speak with honesty less than a minute into this podcast. This is the best film that I have watched since everything everywhere all at once. But before we get to all of that, I will of course introduce my lovely podcast co-host Chase Wassenaar. And Chase, how about you tell the people how you brutalized me in fantasy football two weeks ago? Well, first of all, uh, honored uh, to 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 be here today and and have uh, uh, my name come through. Uh, I, I I love to see it. Second, I'm gonna echo everything you just said. Jawan was fucking fantastic, man. I, I I saw it with a friend whose response was, "I had no idea what this film was two days ago before you invited me." And now I can think of nothing else. Like, what a, what a delight. Um, so I'm so excited to be talking about this. And I am a bit excited to talk about uh, fantasy football here. Um, because anyone who's in the Rough Drafts Discord knows very well that I had a negative amount of confidence going into the Monday night game. Because everything had gone wrong to me by that point. Like, I was looking at Joe Burrow, who underperformed. Jamar Chase I had in my starting roster, and he did terribly. But T. Higgins, who had scored zero points the week before, suddenly popped off like crazy. And so he was on my bench and, and did absolutely nothing for me. Kirk Cousins did a lot better than Joe Burrow and was on my bench doing nothing for me. And you took a commanding lead at one point because fucking Daniel Jones, Danny Dimes, if you will, um, decided that getting crushed in the first half wasn't particularly fun and suddenly just got all of the points, just all of them out of nowhere in a game that did not fucking matter. And I, it was at this point that I, I messaged everybody that I knew uh, fantasy football is fucking stupid. It, it, it is. A, it, there's no reason to play it. It's infuriating. Nothing fucking matters. Um, and every year I come to this realization and I, I say that this is the last year I'm going to play fantasy football and then someone invites me to a draft two weeks beforehand. I'm like, yeah, sure, why not? Um, and I hate it. Uh, but luckily, the Saints defense came through because uh, the Carolina Panthers and C.J. Stroud not quite figuring Bryce things out. Bryce Young, excuse me, you're right. Bryce Young. Not quite figuring things out. So I – oh, God, this is going to hurt to say because I hate the Saints. Uh, it's literally – if you go to the Falcons subreddit, fuck the Saints is our motto, but uh, thank you, New Orleans. I, I would not have gotten the win without you making Bryce Young look a bit silly. So, um, God, that hurt. That, that broke my heart to say. But, uh, <laughs> you know what? It almost makes it worth it that I lost. It almost makes it worth it that you just had to thank the Saints. And to be fair, the Saints aren't needed to make the Carolina Panthers look silly. And I'm going to I'm going to I'm going to you know take it back a little bit. It's not really Bryce Young's fault. Um they don't really have any receivers. 
Uh, they don't really have an offensive line. Uh, here we are. We are we are recording on Thursday, September 22nd. So prior to the week three games. And Bryce Young is already injured and won't be playing in week three. We're going to get the red rifle himself, Andy Dalton, uh, oh, up against the yeah. Seattle Seahawks. Uh, that 38-year-old hunk of man meat. Uh, beautiful. Just fantastic. I can't wait to pick up the Seahawks defense and eat him alive. Um. But yeah, I mean, I will say it was hilarious because at halftime of the Giants game, I tweeted out, Daniel Jones is single-handedly killing two of my fantasy teams. Um, and I can say, uh, despite him scoring 30 points, both teams that I have him on lost. So That's brutal. But you my... know, the part that really sparks joy to me is that the player who was the difference maker, who outperformed his expectations more than anyone else on my roster was the Bills running back, James Cook. James Cook uh, really saved my ass in this week. So thank you, Bills, for, for doing your part to help me uh, beat Walter. I, I, is that a, does that count as a fan hedge that, that you lost, but your team won? So, you know, at the end of the day, it all works out. Yes, that is that is literally how I have always operated when it came to fantasy football. My dad would hate the fact that I would purposely draft Tom Brady. Um, one, because he was really fucking good in fantasy, but also two, like it's to- like Tom Brady against the Bills. Like either the Bills win or Tom Brady puts up a shit ton of points, and I win my fantasy matchup. And my dad would fucking hate it. Um, just to like further my hubris of continuing to stick with Danny Dimes, I just took a look at the scores following the Thursday night game, uh, and he scored three point nine points. In fantasy, uh, which is, uh, for those of you keeping track at home, you want to score more points. 3.9 is not good. Uh, I am now projected to lose by almost 20 points because this fucking, uh, as as his nickname besides Danny Dimes is, Vanilla Vic, uh, is unable to, uh, to, to put up. So, you know, maybe they fire Brian Dayball at the halfway mark and the Bills can rehire him as his offensive coordinator and you know, the Bills can can storm into the playoffs because it certainly looks like the Cincinnati Bengals are uh, are falling apart. But Chase, this is not an NFL or a fantasy football podcast. This is in fact Final Cut, and Final Cut being a reference to movies. And as I said earlier, Jawan might be the best film that I've seen since Everything Everywhere All at Once. And my girlfriend, my partner, did tell me this is the best movie that you've taken me to in our entire relationship, which is almost four years long. Um, Fantastic. So, at the beginning, uh, Chase, this is a Bollywood film. And it means that it comes from India. That's sort of what they call their movie industry is Bollywood. And there is a very specific kind of style and aesthetic. And there's music in it and there's dancing. But it's not a musical don't call it a musical because the music and the dancing happen almost outside of what's actually happening in the film itself. Uh, whereas musicals, like the majority, the acting takes place through the song and the dance. So let's get that right, right off the bat. Bollywood does not mean musical. These are not musicals. They are Bollywood films. So Chase, going into this, I am sure you have had a ton of experience watching Bollywood films. <laughs> This is my first Bollywood film, uh, which is great. What a what a what a wonderful start! Um, and I look, I'm I'm very here for uh, anyone who is uh, wants to give me recommendations. They're like, oh, if you think Jawan is great, you should see X, Y, and Z. Please flood my mentions with that on social media. I would love nothing more. Um, but yeah, this is one of those like we talked about watching RRR forever, and it just never quite fit in 
to our rotation last year when we were, where we were going over uh, the Oscar-nominated films. But I have always been looking for an excuse to get into it. And uh, it was between this and one other film that I really did not want to watch. Um, so I was constantly looking like, there's got to be another option here. And I saw Juwan, and I didn't know anything about this film heading in, outside of the fact that it had great reviews, that it was Bollywood, that it featured um, Shah Rukh Khan, who is kind of famously one of the greatest Bollywood actors working today, um, incredibly popular, and uh, he has a very consistent track record um, as kind of the lead here. And I'm like, okay, you know what? I think this is worth giving a shot. I, Walter, if you can find a way to see this film in Rochester think this is what we should do and i stopped there i did not want to know anything else i wanted to go in completely blind and oh boy did i have a fucking blast with this film i was energized like i i went to see this film i, I was at like a 9 15 showing so i didn't get out until like 12 20 like post midnight and i did not sleep for like two hours afterwards because i was so jazzed by how much awesome shit had just occurred in front of my eyeballs. Just what a what a delight this film was from start to finish. Yeah, and I actually was slightly surprised I was able to find it in Rochester. There was one theater, the Cinemark on the west side of Rochester, uh, that was airing it. They had two different showings. It was either a 5 o'clock or an 8.45. Um, and I didn't tell my partner ahead of time this film is 2 hours and 49 minutes long. So we went to the 8.45 showing. Um, because she doesn't get out of work until, you know, 4.30, almost 5 o'clock. And, uh, and we went, and she kind of was giving me this look of when I was like, yeah, it's almost three hours long. And she's like, well, I'm going to be dead at work tomorrow, so this better be incredible. Uh, and it absolutely was. It, it was absolutely fantastic. Again, um, I also have absolutely no experience with, um, with Bollywood films. I know my partner has mentioned uh, that, that she does have some experience uh, watching some Bollywood films in the past. Um, and that she actually had some that she was would be interested in watching with me if I wanted to continue watching Bollywood films. Um, because her and her her mom are, are very much, they're very into like British culture and British movies and British TV shows. And that kind of then gets attached to, well, what else does the British like? Well, they really like Indian culture. So there's Bollywood and curries and all this jazz, right? Um, so yeah, I... Chase, like, well, the other film was Gran Turismo, right? That was the other film that we were like, I don't know, what could we go see? And, like, I want to see Gran Turismo just because I'm curious, but mm -hmm. I don't know if I actually want to see it for the podcast. Oof. So Chase is like, well, let, let's see Jawan. I'm like, fuck it. Like, why not? Mm -hmm. why, why fucking not? And this is, I can, I can confidently say, Chase, you have now officially made up for Tar. Hey. This is now the retirement of any Tar joke. Uh, and I will try my absolute, absolute hardest not to bring up Atlanta losing to the New England Patriots 28 to three. Wow. That's what an honor. Um, I, I look, I, I would like to thank, uh, Atlee and Shah Rukh Khan and everyone who worked on this film for creating the peak of the rule of cool. Uh, this is a film that every single scene, the, the question was asked, what is the coolest way we could film this shot? Not, what is the most logical way that this could be done? What is the most grounded way that we could proceed the story forward? But what would happen if every character that we cared about in the scene rolled a nat 20 on every single check and the DM said, go for it? 
And including the bad guys. Including, including the, the bad guys. guys. Every character. If, if if it is a character that matters, they're just it's just constant nat twenties. Everything is insane, and it's fantastic. Like the very first scene of the film, right? You you have a body found dead in a river. He's taken up by the village elder, and he's like mummified. They're like wrapping up his entire body. And several months later, the village is attacked, and you just get this like scene of fire and slaughter, and it's devastating. And you know, you have this kid that's trying to like save his mom from being attacked, and the elder goes to pray to Krishna in hopes of saving his village, and. A literal horse on fire charges through the city to perfectly capture the devastation. Just insane already. And then the body comes back from the dead, charges down after throwing several perfect spear shots. And as he is fighting, the fires consume the wraps around him until finally in his most critical moment over his enemy, the face fully reveals itself into our protagonist. And it's just badass. 10 out of 10, 100 out of 100. And that's the starting point, Walter. That's the, that's the bare beginning. That's the note that we build from, which is incredible. This, this could have been the climax of several other action films that we have seen in our, our life. And this is the... Oh, I knew we were in for a treat. I knew when that scene was everything that it was. And it's like, we are in for some spectacle. We are in for a lot of fun. I, I truly expected to be disappointed by the rest of the film. Because I'm like, if that's how you start, like I have no fucking idea where you go from here. And we go into a, 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 a man it's so hard because there's like so many different like western genres and things thrown into this film right it, we go into what at its at its core what it ends up being is a action revenge film mm-hmm. right it, it's an equalizer it's a taken like if you want to think about western cinema get that into your head but make it the coolest fucking thing on the planet. It is John Wick 1 of just, holy shit, every bit of action is going to blow your mind. Uh, I, I said at the, the intermission, because there literally was an intermission for this film, to my partner, I, I leaned over and I said, what the fuck is this anime shit? And I'm like slack-jawed and like amazed. I'm not saying that derogatorily or negatively. I'm going, holy fucking crap. What? Like they did all of this incredible stuff. All of these incredible fight sequences. All of this incredible drama. And, and the compounding of just like stakes and just increasing things. That it builds and builds and builds. And you're, and you're like waiting for it to pop. And, and be like, okay, at some point it's going to deflate. And then it keeps building. And building, and building, and building, and building, and building, and then the movie's over, and it's, and, and, and like, has this just, just amazing, incredible action sequence to end the film, and then there's a musical number at the end that is, like, the summation of, of you know, oh, they're enjoying life, they're retired, all this stuff, and then, boom, it's the sequel. Like, hey, get ready for a potential sequel to this thing. 
and and sometimes you go okay well if you're just if you're just building and you never get any you never get to the end right you never get any completion like what happens no like it builds and builds and builds and the end is so goddamn high that the movie has to build through the very last second but that being said let's start at the beginning sure let's start at the beginning of the film because we have to talk about this plot and we probably have to go a little bit more in detail to this plot. Um, this film is in Hindi. I, we both watched it in Hindi with English subtitles and couldn't fucking tell. Didn't even matter. My brain was not, my brain recognized that I couldn't understand all of the words that were being spoken, but it was in this sort of broken like utilizing slang and idioms and like phrases that i could get the gist of what they were talking about even if i wasn't reading the subtitles on the screen uh, but it starts with the taking of pelham one two three essentially a group of terrorists hijack a sub uh, a subway a train basically and the the lead the best negotiator in India, uh, Narmada, played by the actress uh, Nianthara, and I truly apologize me butchering all of these names. I am trying my absolute hardest. Is brought in to negotiate with the terrorist, and the terrorist is like, "Oh, sing this song, right?" And I'm like, "This is really silly. This is a really weird villain." And like, sing this song because by the end of this song, you better have like the agricultural minister sitting next to you, ready to talk to me on the phone. And then the song starts playing, Look, and there's this. this if sequence. you're gonna do a terrorism, you gotta have fun, right? You gotta you gotta really enjoy the moments along the way. That you know what? Anytime I perform acts of terrorism, I I do try to have fun. Uh, that is why I replace every bottle of ranch dressing in our local Wegmans with blue cheese because <laughs> ranch dressing does not belong on wings. And if you think it, go fuck yourself. But anyways, mm. the agriculture minister shows up and is like, "Well, what do, what can I do for you? Like, I don't know anything. Like, oh." And then Vikram Rother, right, the leader of this terrorist group, goes. Well, I want to play a game with you. I, I want you to answer some questions for me. And the guy's like, okay, like I can answer whatever questions you want. Thinking this is like some dope that's just going to ask for like $10 billion or something, right? Right. And Vikram gives him a number. And I don't remember the number off the top of my head. And he's like, what is this number? And the, the agriculture guy's like, I don't know. And Vikram's like, it's the number of farmers who committed suicide since you took over. And then you're like, whoa, 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 whoa. What? Mm -hmm. We we have we have an ethical terrorist here? Ooh. Yeah, that that's the moment like cuz cuz up until that point, right? Like there is this kind of choreographed nature to it. You're seeing all of the different people who are in on the heist. You see them rigging it so that the uh daughter of the rich corrupt businessman ends up on the train that they are going to be hijacking. Um but, like, you see them, like, they get attacked by a cop, and the cop uh, ends up getting tied up, and to, like, convince people not to attack them, he shoots a woman in a burqa, which, spoiler alert, uh, she ends up being in on it and totally fine. Um, which adds to a really, like, fun reveal moment, and suddenly everyone on the train is super on board with everything that he is uh, preaching here. But there's this just... It's such a powerful moment to have this idea. And it's something, if you're at all frustrated with the way that uh, banks have handled so much of modern society, right? We, we all know that feeling of if you're poor, 
they come after you and they will ruin your life and your credit score and your ability to survive. And in the case of these farmers, quite literally your ability to make a living to the extent that suicide is seen as the only way to protect your family, which is fucking bleak. Um, but if you are rich, you could have a $400 million loan just wiped away from the books because you have to protect business interest, right? You can't, the millionaires can't lose. That's for normal people. Rich people only fail up. That's how it works. And so you get this brilliant moment where, you know, he, he convinces the money to come from this corrupt businessman. Uh, it is the amount for the loan that was forgiven, which is nothing to the guy. And it's revealed immediately, like, like this is what makes all of this so bullshit, right? It's, he wasn't forgiven because he was incapable of paying for it. It was forgiven because he didn't want to pay for it. Um, and then that money gets immediately sent to the farmer's whose loans the bank wouldn't forgive. And that's when you have this, like, this is this is a Robin Hood, right? This is a, you know, a man of the people who is attacking the corruption and a, a government that is self-serving and serving for this elite group instead of the people who on a day-to-day -day make the country work. Uh, and it's, it's just a, a great reveal, and it immediately... Like, you understand, like, why everybody then immediately puts on their own wraps so it becomes impossible for the cops to figure out who was part of this terrorist group and who wasn't so that they're all able to escape. And there's this whole drone thing that goes on. And, and nobody dies, right? Like, these like these terrorists don't actually kill anybody. Um, but they, they cause enough chaos that uh, they're able to kind of escape out of here and have that impression um, and it creates a group that is immediately fascinating. You can't, you like, you can't wait to see how they got there and what they're doing and what their ultimate goals are. Um, you want to root for them, despite the fact that their methods are something that, you know, are obviously tough. It's it's very like if you are in any way accelerationist or of the belief that we could really use some people who are willing to put some fire to the flames in order to, uh, you know, call out a lot of the corrupt bullshit within the way the system works right now, just immediately appealing and, and you have your clear systemic villain and the core villain of the film in um, uh, Vijay uh, uh, Sethupathi's uh, Kali, who he plays that kind of arms dealer. Um, and it's so, so well done. It's just it, it all it all comes together. It's cohesive. It makes sense. It hits thematically. It hits literally, and it is you know sure it's a little on the nose that they do a flashback of one of the the members of the team, and it's about her family being affected by this farmer plight, and suddenly everyone on the train is crying. But like that's the power of storytelling, right? We should care about these things. It should connect with us, and here. The power of that matters, and it just sets the tone so well for the film we're going to enjoy for the rest of its runtime. Hi, it me, accelerationist that thinks we should actually punish rich assholes for like taking advantage of the systems and exploiting people. Hi, yes, I wonder why I really love this film. Mm. Uh, but yes, this this opening, you know, subway sequence it introduces us to all of the players. It introduces us to these women that are that are part of the terrorist group, and obviously Vikram Rathor who is the, the head of it, 
uh, this this older man, but is he an older man? He's bald, but also the most like the fakest looking bald man I've ever seen, which then like <laughs> plays into the actual outcome. But it turns out, as you said, one of the women, obviously her her father was a farmer who committed suicide when the bank came to try and you know put, take back the money for the loan, and they take the tractor, and and her father is going, but we need the tractor to eat, and like they just don't care, and then he kills himself. She comes back from taking her exams, finds him hanging there. Um, they they have his funeral uh, rites, and the bank shows up to be like, oh, well, hey, you know, he's dead, but yeah, the tractor paid the loan, but what about the interest? And rip the wedding necklace off of, off of her mother, and she steps up to him and hits him in the head with a fucking shovel. And is like, fuck yeah. And you, t- it turns out that these women are all in jail. And this is some fucking law-abiding citizen shit where they're getting out of jail to go commit these Robin Hood acts, commit these terrorist acts that are trying to benefit the larger populace, right? Trying to benefit the poor and downtrodden, the people that the the colleagues and, and essentially the government are ignoring, led by the warden of the prison, Azad, who is Vikram Rathor, or maybe not. Well, he's Azad, and then he puts on a bald cap, and he's Vikram Rathor. And there is this wonderful musical sequence where they're being given some some medal from like the UN. That's like, oh, you know, tar- positivity medal or whatever. Obviously, fake thing. Uh, and like Azad is like, oh yeah, like this this hospital like builds prosthetics for kids, and you know. Uh, uh, sews uniforms for school kids and like all of these things and like the 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 prison itself is being beneficial to the poor and downtrodden and to the people of india as a whole but then on the side him and this group are then going directly and taking direct action against kali and his ilk and it opens up this very interesting like i said like law-abiding citizen charlie's angels kind of revenge arc where they go after uh, the health minister. Because that's like the next thing is that one of the women was a doctor and she was accused of being, uh, you know, inebriated while on the job by the, the administrator of this hospital where this health administrator is having like the speech near and bragging about how great all their hospitals are. But this one hospital doesn't, you know, all these hospitals don't actually have supplies. So they stage this like assassination attempt where they swap the ambulances, take them to this shitty hospital that doesn't have enough like supplies and basically are like, well, you have to supply every hospital with all the supplies that like the good hospitals get or else we're going to have him have surgery done on him in this place where I'm pretty sure like even just looking at it, you get tetanus. Well, and that's such like the brilliant part of this film and it's politics, right? Is this idea that if there was actual political will to it, there's a lot of stuff you could do in a short period of time, right? It's not hard to come up with the funds for the resources to get hospitals what they need. It's not hard to um, come up with the money that it would take to forgive a lot of very low loans um, that, compared to like a lot of loans that banks take out um, to, to uh, free up a lot of money for people, right? You know, we've seen uh, John Oliver do this with uh, Last Week Tonight where he forgave like millions of dollars of medical debt for pennies on the dollar because our system is actually 
very easily fixed if people care? And the answer is that they don't, and it's why these things are so rough. But you get the health minister in a position where his life now depends on caring, and suddenly a lot of things get figured out in a short period of time. Um, and it, it's a core part of this film's politics, you know, this idea that it is up for people to hold government accountable, to be willing to put themselves on the line in order to, you know, create an environment in which these things that are promised, these things that are necessary for society to work in a way that helps everybody are actually delivered. And, you know, I, I, I want to add here a little bit just how important that is for uh, Shah Rukh Khan. Um, because I, I don't know if you came across this, Walter, but Shah Rukh Khan is a Muslim within India, uh, which is a, you know very much a, a minority and one that is taken advantage of by the uh, Modi administration, which is a real piece of shit. Uh, that fascist is a whole other thing that we're not getting into right now, but there's a lot of stuff in India that'll make you real sad if you look into it. Um, and his family has like, actually been watched by the government because he is... A, a Muslim political, like like popular figure who has said some political things every now and then. So, you know, there are some people who will criticize that maybe the po film's politics doesn't go far enough in certain angles, or you could say that like the patriotism that gets woven in there uh, con conflicts with the, um, you know, message that the government is, is really corrupt and is not something that should be made proud of. But this is a really, like, genuinely brave act to take on with an authoritarian government like the one that India currently has. Um, this is a much stronger statement than I think a, a purely American view of it would necessarily give it credit for. And I have so much respect for Shah Rukh Khan and, and Atlee and everyone that worked on this to, to put this out there in a way that, um, you know, is... is not going to get them, you know, in, in an amount of trouble that would prevent them from being able to exist, but still gets a strong message across that, that hopefully people within India take to heart um, and certainly has enough going on that it can resonate outside of India's borders as well. I, I will say I was a little surprised that this film was made in India under the Modi regime um, because it is hypercritical of government and government corruption and government taking advantage of the people they are supposed to govern. And there is this great speech towards the end of the film because we are not going to break down every bit of the plot, you know, plot point by plot point by plot point. Um, other than, so we've told you these first two heists that happened. Well, then Azad uh, is arranged marriage essentially with Narmada, who is the, the head negotiator who is hunting down Vikram Rathor. And oh no, Azad is Vikram Rathor and Narmada is hunting him down. And what, how is this all gonna? Yeah, it happens exactly how you think it is. They get married and then he tells, you know, tells her that he's Vikram Rathor because they get attacked by Kali's men. And then, you know, the rest of the plot goes from there. And that's um, the halfway point. We have our Mr. and Mrs. Smith moment and we're not, we're halfway there. You got an intermission. I did not. So it was just one of the, for me, it was just this moment of like, holy shit, we still have, like, we've had like two full films already in terms of content, in terms of like how much cool stuff has happened and, and how much, like how many of these powerful moments have been worked into things. And we're halfway there. Holy shit. 
Um, what a journey this film brings. Yeah, I, I did get the intermission. I got the like 10 to 15 minutes. So I got to go use the restroom and like stretch my legs for a minute and then sit down and kind of digest what I had been watching with my partner and go, holy crap, I can't believe something like this existed. And yes, there you go, Mr. and Mrs. Smith. Let's keep let's keep bringing in all the Western comparisons. Have we said Charlie's Angels yet? Because we definitely get some Charlie's Angels vibes. Yeah, well, so, sorry, Bollywood fans. We have a lot to learn. We want to learn. I want to watch everything Atli has ever made. I want to watch everything Shah Rukh Khan has ever made. Please give me more, give me better references for me to make moving forward. Um, but, oh man, um, look, and, and, and I want to I want to stay on this Shah Rukh Khan point because I think now any more plot points we kind of give you guys is really going to spoil the film besides this one. Um, Shah Rukh Khan plays two characters in this film. No, not Vikram Rathor that is Azad, but he plays Vikram Rathor and Azad, who also sometimes is Vikram Rathor. But Vikram Rathor and Vikram Rathor are two entirely different people. Uh-huh. Does that make sense? I, in the best way, yeah. Pretty sure. Oh, it's so... When that reveal happens, it's such a, like, a fucking course, but also fantastic, right? Like, what a, what a fun reveal and one that helps recontextualize so much of why the approaches in the first half of the film were made the way they were. It's a really fun twist. And one that, like, brings everything together in a way that feels very cohesive and very... It feels right, right? Like, sure, there's some stuff that you could argue is like, you know, a plot of convenience. But anyone who's run a D&D campaign knows that sometimes it's better to have something that's maybe a little bit convenient, but ultimately, like, the characters are going to resonate more with and, and feels more emotionally justified and emotionally stronger for it. And again, this is a rule of cool film. It's cooler for Vikram to have had this fight with Kali way back in the day and for that to have been a huge turning point in Azad's life and the life of his mom and the life of, you know, these women in the prison and, and all of these things. It's, it's, it's the much more interesting version of the story. So yeah, I'm in, I'm, I'm in on how absurd all of that is and how absurd it is that, you know, the, the answer of he just didn't, he chose not to die that day. Yeah. You're goddamn right. He did. He rolled in that 20 on his constitution save. He came back from the fucking dead because of course, why would you not? Um, it's brilliant. Brilliant. And, and if you ever get confused which Vikram Rathor is Vikram Rathor and which Vikram Rathor is Azad, the Vikram Rathor that has Sylvester Stallone's hair is Vikram Rathor. Mm-hmm. And the Vikram Rathor that kind of has the mannerisms of Captain Jack Sparrow and is like doing this performance and this very like, he's very flowy with his movements, right? His arms are constantly kind of like doing things and he's just, it, it's, you should, Johnny Depp playing Jack Sparrow kind of like surmises it. That's a Zod. And it makes it very obvious once you kind of figure out that the terrorist Vikram Rathor is being played by somebody else, that it is an act. Right, he is doing this performance, and everything he's doing is performative. It's why the bald, you know, him looking bald looks so fake, is because yeah, it's a fucking bald cap, and it's not that it's a poorly done makeup department bald cap. It's that it's a dude that's putting on a bald cap so he can go out and do terrorist attacks for the betterment of society. Um, but then like, there's the fucking badass moments, right? He has a fucking Phantom of the Opera mask. 
in the hospital scene where the hospital is like on fire and they're being attacked by the police or the government or the military or like whatever mm-hmm. and like he has hair and he has this fucking mask and it's just all fire behind him and then he fights Narmada and is just this like it's it's not even like a fight it's more like a dance it yes. is purely Mr. and Mrs. Smith here. Like, it is a dance of, like, they are courting each other right now. They just don't, like, she doesn't know it, but he kind of does. Mm-hmm. And just the the mask. And then when it falls off as he escapes and she doesn't see it, but she grabs it and lifts it up. And then there's some hair in there. And it's like, oh, he wears a wig. Like, oh, just fucking, like, brilliant. Like, I thought that was a, like, oh, this is how she's going to find out who he is. And it's like, oh, nope, he's wearing a wig instead. It's it's different hair. I'm like, oh, hell yeah. He's, well, like, ten moves ahead. I this mean, is and, so fucking good. And here's the amazing thing, because she's done also ten moves ahead, because she uses the fact that it's a wig to say, well, he's probably affecting his age as well, so de-age him. So then the cops figure out that a de-aged version of the person that they've seen looks a lot like the man that she's going to marry, but her daughter refuses to let her read the text during the marriage ceremony because of course because of course because that's that's the most fun version of the story that we have in front of us and that way we get to have our our song interlude and the songs are fantastic and i'm gonna say walter i'm gonna throw this out there right now i think every credits should have the credits running on the bottom half of the screen and a musical number happening on the top half what a delight that was right like every single film should have that Chase, I think there are three things that this Bollywood film taught me that American cinema should should have. One, any film over two hours long should have a 10-minute intermission in the middle. Mm-hmm. Don't care. 10 minutes. Give me 10 minutes. I got popcorn. I got a soda or a, a lemonade in my case. Like, I need, I need a five-minute piss break. Let me go to the bathroom real quick. If it's longer than two hours, if, if it's longer than a 1990s feature-length Disney film, Give me an intermission in the middle, for God's sakes. Uh, two, I agree. End credits should be at the bottom. There should be a nice musical number that's going on, dancing, really good music. Every movie could have a theme song, right? Fantastic. Mm-hmm. It would be great. And number three, when my film says it's going to start at 845, the film starts at 845, and I don't have to sit through 25 minutes of advertisements. Because that's how my film went. 8.45 on the dot. Movie started. My partner even beforehand was like, hey, you know, this is an R-rated film. So we're entering spooky season. So there might be some horror movie advertisements ahead of time. And I was like, ah, shit, that's a good point. Also, just need to clarify something. Uh, Back in Oppenheimer, I said that there had been a horror film uh, for a Blair Witch movie. It wasn't Blair Witch. It was the new Exorcist movie. So just wanted to clarify that. Thanks. I love fucking Halloween. It's my favorite time of year. Uh, but yeah, I think those three things. Movies start when the time says it's going to start. An intermission for anything longer than two hours. And a musical number over top of the credits. Come on, Hollywood. Learn. Learn, please. See, I got some trailers, but they were for other Bollywood films that seemed like they'd be fun as hell. So I was fine with it. I had no problem with that whatsoever. I also, of course, because I'm in Los Angeles, all of my AMCs come with reclining chairs. So I got to like lean back and just get super comfy the entire time. Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. Fantastic. Yeah, Um, absolutely. Can can I just, I I feel like at this point, because we could go into like the ending plot, but I kind of want everyone who's ever existed in my life to go see this. I, I have... I have been an advocate for this film with every single friend that I have, uh, especially because as it, it showed at the front, I'm pretty sure it has a Netflix distribution deal. So it's going to yes, be really does. easy for people to find sooner rather than later. 
I kind of want to like favorite moments. I would be curious what yours are. There's so many incredible shots in this film. Um, I, I loved the uh, elder Vikram Rathor getting ahead of all of the bad guys on his motorcycle and taking a cigar out and then like pivoting his motorcycle and the sparks from his foot coming to light the cigar as he pours gas everywhere. And then he uses the lit cigar (laughs) to, uh, to put in the gas canister and pushes the motorcycle until it explodes. (laughs) And this incredible explosion that wipes out like five bad guys. That was, that's peak cinema. That is, that is what cinema should be. There's that's, that's every film. That's that's that is what we should all be aspiring to. What a sequence! That that is that is fucking incredible. Uh, I definitely love that moment. Uh, I also think the moment where Vikram Rathor, the actual Vikram Rathor, goes to rescue Azad and Narmada, and is using the like transmission mm-hmm. to like beat the shit out of people, and the gear is like clicking as it's uh-huh. like spinning around. And, like, there's moments where you're like, oh, wait, is he using that, like, a blade to try and, like, slit people's throats? And, like, no, it's just that, like, he's using it to, like, spin them around and then bash them in the head with this fucking transmission. Um, Oh, what other good moments? I I love the hospital sequence. Like, that sequence is fucking incredible. Um, I've never seen a belt of bullets used quite as extensively as it is here. Like, there's a straight up using it like a hook shot to save one of the uh the the women uh during that car chase and then he uses an actual grappling hook to perfectly position himself to pull the guy out of the car that whole thing is great there's a straight up like smash bros wombo combo moment in the final fight where like the two of them like bounce the guy off each other like a perfectly timed fox falco combo yep really enjoyed that um god i mean I think musical sequence wise, I really like the the musical number that happens uh, at the uh, after they are given the the medal at the prison. Like that that music that musical number is fucking awesome, and it has like a really good message to it um, that is like carried out through the entire rest of the film. Yeah. I, I think his final speech that he gives, where he is. Uh, he is, you know, talking to the 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 new negotiator and he's like all these things and he's like, I have one last demand. Um, like I, I'm gonna give it to like everyone. And he basically makes this speech where he's asking everyone to ask questions mm-hmm. and not questions about like how quick does this rice cooker cook rice? Like, is it loud? Is it, you know, it does this mosquito repellent like work? Is it too does it smell bad like all of these things he's like why are you asking a million questions about a citronella candle why aren't you asking a million questions about your healthcare system or about your water or about your government or like any of these things because like what the like overarching kind of plot of the second half of the movie is that uh kali is trying to buy the government like, yeah. he goes and gets a loan from the most evil Mad Max villain <laughs> that they possibly could have found it's without so making good. him a Russian. The fucking tiger, man. Like, come on. It's a cheetah. It's cheetah. a cheetah. Excuse me. And the guy literally says, like, you know, this is mob money, like mafia money. Like, you don't fuck with us. And he's like, oh, yeah, totally. And he's going to use this money to just, like, pay people to vote however he wants them to. Because I, I guess, like, historically, that is kind of the thing that has happened before. Yeah. And, like, that's what the, that's what the, 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 the overall moral of the story 
that they're trying to tell and why I am so incredibly shocked that this film was made under Mahdi's regime is like, ask your government questions, like any question, like you don't even have to ask the right question, right? Just start asking questions and asking why your government isn't working for you. And I think that is a message that isn't Indian specific, right? It's not Hindi specific. It's not Muslim specific. It is like just being a citizen of the world specific in terms of like us as Americans, we don't ask our government enough questions, right? Like there's this argument of like, well, why can't we have a, a system like the NHS, right? Or why can't we have, uh, you know, socialized healthcare like Canada? And like the answers are never really good answers, but I think it's because not enough people are asking those questions, Right. Like, that's what the message of the story is. Like, hey, ask your government questions. Ask the people in charge questions. Make them prove to you that what they are doing is correct and don't just, like, blindly go with it because it's easier. Yeah, and, you know, I, I do love that. It's one of those, like, you know, I've seen some criticism where it's like, oh, you know, just this is just kind of like go vote politics. But it's much more than that especially in a system like the one that, that India is currently under, like this is, is a, a call to action to wake up in a way that is um, as, as capable of doing so uh, as possible. And it, it resonates, right? Like there is a hollowness in that message that could have easily been there, but Shah Rukh Khan sells it so well and it comes after the culmination of so many actions where it's like, look, if this guy's going this fucking far to try to get it into your skulls that this is important, um, maybe we should really think about that. Maybe it's worth taking some time and wondering why so much of this needed to go this extreme in order to get where it needed to go. Um, I'm also going to, I want to give a shout out real quick to Topeka Padakonan. Um, I, like she, uh, you know, Vikram's wife, it is an incredible, incredible fucking sequence where you know she is dealing with those corrupt cops who are like yeah we're gonna frame vikram for corruption you just need to sign the paper and she's like fuck that and kills all of them like a fucking badass and she's going to be hung but then they find out that she's pregnant and she spends the next five years raising azad and being the best mother that she can and building this community so that he will be looked after and cared for and instilling the importance of being good and doing right and clearing his father's name, but also taking care of all of these other people because the corruption in a world like theirs is so permeated that people need to be looked after. And don't let the tragedy of what I'm about to go through prevent you from doing as much good as you can in as many different ways as you can do it. And like doing the birth, the five, the five-year-old birthday party and like her ha being like sent away. I mean, it's heartbreaking and it, it's, you know, this is something I, I, I haven't watched a lot of Bollywood. So I apologize for people who have watched Bollywood that this is one of those like no shit kind of moments. But the, the eight Rasas is something that I learned as a result of watching this film and looking into things. This idea that um, any film uh, that is trying to capture humanity and capture these moments should be trying to capture all of these different elements of what makes the human experience. You need romance, you need laughter, you need fury, compassion, disgust terror, heroism, and wonder. You need a journey that captures all of these things if you want something that is going to 
capture what matters, uh, the, the, the essence of the human experience. And so, yeah, if you're trying to capture all of that, your film's going to be a little bit longer on average, but they're going to feel real. They're going to feel honest. They're going to feel true uh, if you do it as well as, as one can do it. And as outlandish as so much as of Jawan is, as, as many crazy sequences that, again, can only be enabled by a DM that says, I'll allow it to every crit roll that is rolled across the entirety of the game. It feels so human. And it feels so genuine. And it, it's the reason that I left feeling so buzzed with excitement and why I, I've been thinking about this film ever since and, and recommending it to everyone I can because it is really achieving something that I think is so critical on so many different levels. Um, and I, I, I just loved it. I, I, I think there's something really special about this one and I am so thankful that we ended up running into this one almost accidentally because it's, it is a life-changing film for me. There is an entire genre of film that I am now going to prioritize. Actors, directors, entire crafts that have now clicked with me on such a deep level. And I mean, what else do you want from art, right? What else matters than having that kind of connection than, than being able to tell these stories and have them matter? Really matter. What a, what a has, fucking awesome film, man. <laughs> I mean, it has something for everyone in it, right? It literally has something for everyone and some way to, uh, you know, tug at your heartstrings, your brain, make you think, you know, like any of these things. You want action? There's fucking action. You want a revenge story? There's a fucking revenge story. You want to talk about, like, you know, family acceptance, uh, you know, and, and kind of generational trauma and how we handle those things? That shit's fucking in there. You want a romance movie? Hey, there's a goddamn romance movie in here. You want some awesome music and some dancing choreography stuff that's crazy? That's in here. You want a fucking martial arts movie? That shit's in here. Like, everything possible for you is in this film we don't even talk about like there there's a little girl there's the there's um uh narmada's daughter like she's the one that goes to meets uh go meets azad for the the like arranged marriage stuff right and like when it first happens there's like this little moment of weirdness where you're like oh Oh, okay, this is weird. But, like, I thought it might be, like, kind of, like, a funny weird thing of, like, well, you've gone through everyone your age, so you kind of have to, like, go down. And it's like, no, 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 I'm here for my mother. And, like, how are you going to, how how would you be as a papa type thing? And then, like, calling him and being like, oh, I have a parent-teacher conference. You need to come deal with it. Her mom not even knowing that this dude is here to deal with it. And then she's like, okay, well, I guess my daughter likes you. I guess we're going to, like, go on some dates and, like, see how this works out. There's a nice, like, musical number that happens between the two of them. And then they get married. And then they get attacked by Kali's men. And Azad has to, like, come clean that he's Vikram. And she's, like, hurt. And but like not her, right? She's like more angry that she got her like heartbroken again, but then like works through that trauma, right? And like eventually the plot continues on, and th there's just something for everyone. And I know you brought up VJ uh, uh, Sethupathi who played Kali Gakwad as the villain, 
Um, I would be remiss if we don't give him his flowers because he plays just an absolutely fantastic villain. Yeah. Um, just God. absolutely fantastic. And he's definitely not like Vincent Dorfino Kingpin when it comes to like he has to actually fight. But like he does have some fight in him and there is a fight sequence towards, towards the end of the movie that he does take part in. Um, and like, yeah, he doesn't win the fight necessarily, but then we get the big bodyguard and get the tag team between Vikram and Azad and like this giant fight sequence. And like, he is detestable, right? He is detestable from the first moment on the scene, uh, on the screen. Um, he looks like a bad guy, right? He just looks like a bad guy. And there is like a calmness and a collectedness to him. And like really early in the film, there is this moment where like he proves how evil he is and, and there's two pills, right? He he takes blue, this blue pill because when he gets angry, he needs to calm down. And then he gives this red pill to, to the person that's making him angry. And this red pill is like poison, right? It, it just yeah. kills them. It just fucking kills them. And it's like, that's how I deal with my anger. I take the blue pill to calm down. I give you the red pill to kill you because that's actually what I want to do and I stay calm. And it's like, that is some fucking A- grade victor von doom villain shit like that is fucking peak bad guy it's it's perfect um you know i i just got so much of this is so good um i want to accuse uh include a, a quote from uh sedant uh adlaka's uh, uh review of this film um Atley captures Khan as he ought to be, elevating him to a godlike figure in human form, turning each aspect of his performance, action, comedy, melodrama, and sheer physical presence right up to its limit, as far as visual language will allow without breaking the entire film. Uh, that's certainly true of Khan, and I, I think that's a very astute point, but like, you could apply that to a lot of different people in this film. Like Every one of these... Uh, characters goes to that you know it's it's the the dial up to 11 uh it is all encompassing and making the most out of every single moment i i, I love this i love this film uh i like i, I don't know if I, i'm skipping ahead i apologize if there are more segments that you want but i'm just gonna this is 10 out of 10 it's fantastic i agree with you i don't think i've had a film hit me this hard since everything, everywhere, all at once. Um, and that's saying so much because there are a lot of films we've seen since then, films that I, I really liked. But this is, this is special. I can't, I can't recommend this more. I'm so excited to see Pathan, which is another Shah Rukh Khan film that came out earlier this year um, that is like right above Jawan for highest grossing for both 2023 and highest grossing of all time. Uh, that's apparently like a spy thriller that's really great. I can't wait to go back to RRR and finally see that film because I'm sure that's going to be fantastic. I I love that an entirely new way of seeing films and an entirely new genre of films has now been opened to me in my world. And there's something truly special about any time you're seeing a genre for the first time, to be sure. But there's also just something so brilliant about how all of these pieces come together that I, I don't think I could have asked for a better start. So 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 what what's your final score, Chase? Ten. It's a ten. I'd give it an eleven <laughs> if I hadn't already said that everything everywhere all at once is a ten, and they both deserve the same score. It, it's <laughs> perfect. Great. I. I I, I will not shut up about this film for the next several weeks of my life. Anyone who listens to the podcast who has talked to me in real life 
will know that I have already told them to go watch it. Okay. But if you're not, and you haven't heard me say it yet, watch this fucking film. What a what a brilliant piece of cinema. I I couldn't agree more. Uh, I will give this a 10 out of 10 as well. Like I said, it, it is my favorite film that I've watched since Everything Everywhere All at Once. Um, I am going to try my fucking damnedest to get my father to watch this film because I know that it is in, uh, you know, in Hindi, right? In a foreign language to him, that'll be kind of a turnoff, but I'm going to try my fucking damnedest to get him to watch it because I think this would be a film that is absolutely, uh, up his alley. Uh, that being said, I, I'm looking at some very quickly uh, referenced uh, things here off of the Wikipedia page for it. Uh, it does seem like Atlee is, uh, as of uh, sometime here in September, uh, working on a sequel, and there is potential uh, that they will be doing a, uh, a, uh, a spinoff about Vikram Rathor. Um, yes, it looks like, like as of uh, September 16th for, uh, via Pink Villa, they are doing a Jawan 2 with Sakura Khan, and Atlee wants to make a Vikram Rathor spinoff too. So hopefully in a few years, we will get a follow-up to this. Uh, I agree with Chase. We need to now uh, now go take a look at some other, uh, other Bollywood films. Uh, maybe not necessarily for the podcast, but I think in our own personal lives, uh, kind of kind of investigate a genre which has been uh not been in our wheelhouse and i was almost about to at the beginning of this podcast uh prior to finding out you had never seen bollywood films yourself yell at you about how you have hidden this beautiful genre from me um, but i'm glad uh, both of us got to experience it separately but together and hopefully you the listener uh when this comes to netflix will give it a shot uh, I don't think I, I don't think you can come up with any reason not to like it. I, I really don't. This is now entered in the okay, well what movies have you seen? Have you seen everything everywhere at once? Nope, go watch that. Okay. Have you seen Jawan? No, go watch that. And then Cocaine Bear is now moving into third behind Jawan. So uh, high, <laughs> what high a trio. praise. What a trilogy. High praise. High, high praise. But if you would like to ask any more questions about uh, about this film or about some of the research that Chase did on Bollywood, particularly the Raza uh, aesthetic stuff, uh, Chase, where can the good folks at home find you on the internet? Uh, you can find me at Chase Wassenaar on Twitter or at Chase Social on uh, the better version of Twitter. Um, I would love nothing more uh, than to get more recommendations of films that I should see. If you're if there's uh, if I, I am ready to do the work to educate myself and to engage more deeply in this thing I have found a lot of love for. Um, and if you have a lot of love for this podcast, you should come back next week because we do steam cleaners. Every week that we're not doing Final Cut, we do a gaming podcast. Um, you know, I, I believe last week we had Kristen Vignolo on to uh, talk about uh, Stray Gods, a role-playing musical, and Next week, we're going to have another game that both Walter and I played, which is a little bit off the beaten path for us, but something that I'm super excited to, to talk about and delve more into. And I, I think if you enjoy our dynamic here, you'll enjoy it there as well. 
Absolutely. Uh, as always, you guys can follow me uh, at C80s underscore LOL over on the bird site that is known as Twitter. Uh, otherwise, you guys can also follow me at C80s.bsky.social over on Blue Sky. I, I, as of recording, have still not posted anything over there, uh, but I'm slowly trying to find all the people that I enjoy following on Twitter, following them over there, and, and hopefully here soon I'll actually start to get the hang of it. Uh, as this podcast is coming out, I am currently probably hiking on a trail in Chattanooga, Tennessee, because I am on vacation. Uh, but yeah, come back next week for uh, for Steam Cleaners, and in two weeks for another film. I have no idea what that movie is going to be. It probably isn't going to be Gran Turismo, but Chase and I will talk about it off the podcast and figure out what we'll watch for next time. And until then, goodbye, Internet. <laughs>